0: If you have your copy of God's Word, turn to Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4 tonight we will preach uh, just a simple thought, a little bit of a different style of message. Uh, for me, I, I love expositional preaching. That is, preaching through a book of the Bible or a text of Scripture and, and pulling out uh, the intent of the author and what we've been trying to do on Sunday mornings through the book of Philippians. I love that. I think it's most healthy for a church to hear that. But tonight, for the sake of the holiday, I'm going to take an expression that Paul uses in Galatians 4 and verse 4. And and I'm going to try to dig out a little bit of truth um, for our lives from that expression he uses in verse 4. Before I do, I I want to announce that we are having a fifth Sunday sing next Sunday. And uh, so please, please, please plan, if you're going to be here, to bring food Uh, enough for yourself and then to share with some others just in case there's some guests that come um, or some people that come and don't bring food and forget or whatever the case might be so bring plenty um, and come ready for that we'll have a a short afternoon service and then you'll be off um, that night and, and be able to enjoy new year's eve and new year's day and then we'll be back that next wednesday in services so that'll be next sunday fifth sunday sing and then it's good to have some of our college students back. Uh, Colton's back, and Olivia's back, and uh, Courtney's back, and Marissa's back, and the man of her dreams, Landon, is back. Um, I, don't, I, I know I'm going to miss somebody. Am I missing somebody? Um, who? Manny's back. I, I said I'm missing somebody. It's just kidding. He goes to K-State. I mean, that, that just proves his ignorance. Come on. I couldn't be prouder of Manny. Anybody else? Hope I'm not missing anybody. Love our college students. Think about you and pray for you regularly that those in Bible college and in secular college that God would use you and grow you and allow you to strengthen in your faith apart from this place. And uh, hope that God's doing that in your life. Then we're privileged to have who I call Honey and Grandma, Miss Landis, the former first lady of Fellowship Baptist Church for 25 years. Played the piano for many, many years. And uh, she has actually bribed me tonight. She pulled me back to her seat. I thought she was just wanting to spend some one-on-one time. And then she pulled this out. This is a mamba. If those of you don't know, that you might need to know this if you want to bless me. But this is my favorite candy, this and Sour Patch Kids. And uh, she, she gave this uh, to me. And, and she said, you know, if you will just kind of stick to the point and preach a short, simple message then you can have this, and, and then she said, no, on the, on the other hand, if you'll just keep it to two points and no poem, then you can have this, so anyway, this is, this is two very long points, if you notice, as Potsy told me in the back, um, so uh, I can't guarantee that it's going to be a long message or a short message, but it is four pages less in notes than my messages normally are, honey, so um, that doesn't mean a, a, a thing, but um, who knows, so. Praise the Lord. I want to preach you a message on this subject, bad timing. Bad timing. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you felt the timing of something just wasn't right? You been there? Maybe you said something. It's not what you said that was bad, it's just that you said it at the wrong time. Can I get a witness, husbands? Yeah. You been there? Maybe your car broke down or your washing machine bit the dust, your air conditioner went out at just the wrong time. Time, or you got stuck by a train. Oh, it's, a norm, it's okay on a normal day, but you're running late on this day. And then the train stops, as they do in liberal Kansas. Or you get stuck behind somebody going down Pershing Street. And you know that bothers me. They're going 20 miles an hour in a 30. Or you get pulled over by flashing lights. Just the wrong time. Maybe you get sick. Or your kids get sick, and while there's never a good time to get sick, you get sick at just the wrong time. If you're a singer and you're supposed to sing, and all of a sudden your voice gets bad and you get a cold, and it had to happen on the time you're supposed to sing. We've all been there. Well, ladies, what about getting pregnant? No, I've talked to some ladies who got pregnant, they thought at the wrong time. And they went and they just had that gut feeling, and so they took that pregnancy test, and then it, it turned the, does it turn a pink color or blue color, or what is it? I didn't want to Google it because I was afraid of what would come up. but (laughs) Nonetheless, it was positive, and they didn't expect it to be positive. And and, and you almost literally hear these words come out of their mouth, oops. (laughs) I mean, they're they're thankful to bring another offspring into the world, but it's not exactly the timing they were planning on. And so I think of the mother of Jesus. And I wonder how she must have felt, just timing-wise, When the angel Gabriel approached her and told her she was pregnant. She was 14 or 15 years old. She was a virgin. She wasn't married yet the angel told her she was supernaturally impregnated with the son of God by the Holy Ghost. Now getting pregnant and having a child that wasn't a bad idea. In fact in that day this would have been something Mary dreamed of doing because back then little girls dreamed of getting married and then having kids and having a lot of kids. It was a very honorable thing in that culture. It just seemed as though maybe it was bad timing. I mean, think about it. Had, had God, just think about it through the eyes of a 14 or 15 year old little virgin girl. Had God waited just a little bit longer, perhaps they could have got married and, and then got pregnant and, and then she wouldn't have to face the risk of looking scandalous and staying in her house so the religious leaders couldn't see her and threaten stoning her. But we heard this morning very clearly that it had to be a virgin birth. Did you hear me? It had to be a virgin birth. It had to be a virgin birth because if, if Mary was impregnated by Joseph, Joseph was a sinner and that seed would have passed down to Jesus. And our sin required a spotless, perfect sacrifice. Sacrifice. We needed a lamb without blemish. And Joseph, if he would have been involved in this whole thing sexually, then it wouldn't have been a good deal for us. It had to be a virgin birth, but I'm, I'm wondering if Mary thought, man, I, this is just so risky. To make matters worse, exactly nine months from when God announced she was pregnant, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. That meant by law that she would have to travel about 80 miles. Nine months pregnant by foot or with the help of a donkey. Either way, that's, that's terrible timing. God, why couldn't you have timed it? You knew the census was going to take place. Why couldn't you have timed it maybe in a time when we wouldn't be forced to travel? Then because of Bethlehem being overpopulated due to the census, once they got there, there were no rooms available for them to sleep, and so they had to sleep in a barn. And it just so happened the night they were sleeping in a barn, her water broke. And she went into labor. And then she had to put her son in a feeding trough for animals. Not exactly Mary's dream. I mean, she doesn't complain about it. In fact, we're going to see in a little bit she actually sung a song about it. But the timing, before as this was all processing, I, I'm thinking if we just focus the camera on just her, the timing seems really bad. But yet I want you to look at a verse in Galatians chapter 4, and verse 4, that tells us from God's perspective the timing was just right. It was perfect. He said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. What does this expression mean when the fullness of time was come? The expression fullness of time literally means when the time was ripe. When you think of the word ripe, what do you think of? Think of fruit perhaps? You think of vegetables perhaps? You think of a fruit tree or a garden full of vegetables and you certainly wouldn't want to pick those vegetables before they were ready to be picked. Or pick that fruit before it was ripe and, and ready to be picked. It would be detrimental to the, to the fruit or the vegetable. It, it just it wouldn't be good to pick it until the fullness of time had come. And so Paul is making a statement that in God's perspective, the time was just right. It was perfect For a Savior to be born. Now think about the time leading up to Jesus' birth. Let's let's dig into this statement, this expression just a little bit, to see if Paul's right. Throughout history, if you know your Old Testament, God had been whispering and suggesting and, and even promising that he would send a Savior. All the way back in Genesis 3, he promised this. Do you remember when Adam and Eve sinned and and they fell away from God, they experienced that sense of alienation from God and broken fellowship with God, and and they were ashamed of their nakedness. And in that moment, tucked away in God's response is a promise that he was going to send a Savior to pay for the sins of all of the world. Because when God gave them the consequences, then he showed them wonderful grace by going and killing an animal, probably a lamb, and then taking the skin of that lamb and making them coats to cover their naked, so as to say, I still love you. I forgive you. And to suggest to them and really to whisper to the entire world, one day I'm sending the Son of God, the perfect spotless Lamb of God, to pay for the sins of the entire world. He whispered that way back in Genesis. And then many years Later, he approached a Middle Eastern nomad named Abraham and and his wife Sarah. They were an elderly couple who had struggled with infertility for decades. And then God said, you will miraculously conceive and through your seed will be a seed that will bless the nations of the world. And the implication would be that that seed would ultimately be fulfilled in Jesus Christ who would bless the whole world. No, you need to get this, because Sarah and Abraham laughed about it, but it happened. God was whispering, I'm sending my son. The time's not right yet, but I'm suggesting that the time will be right. And then many years later, he approached one of Abraham's great, 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 many times great grandsons, King David. David. And he tells him that the king would have an offspring in the future who would sit on the throne forever and ever and his reign will know no end. And we know he was referring to Jesus Christ as reigning as the king of kings and the lord of lords. All throughout scripture God has been promising a savior and now Paul says when the fullness of time had come he sent him through a woman. But in hindsight On this side of the Old Testament, he didn't just promise that and suggest that before Jesus came. Even in hindsight, we can look back and we can actually confirm that not only we know God was right, but that Paul was right in saying the fullness of time had come. When you study history, this is very interesting. The time was just right for a Savior to be born politically. Now think about this. If you study history, you'll find that the Roman Empire had many, many faults, but one of its virtues was that it tended to be decently tolerant towards other religions. Rome said this. You can exercise your religion with freedom as long as you proclaim that Caesar is God. So you can do what you want. I mean, we're not going to kill you. Do what you want. But at the end of the day... You need to at least acknowledge Caesar as God. And that worked wonderfully for a bunch of compromisers, but not for the Hebrew people. They were loyal to the Yahweh God, the living God. They knew the Ten Commandments that you can't bow before false gods and worship false gods. That's idolatry. And so the Roman Roman leaders, being very pragmatic, decided they were going to budge a little bit. Now this is important. They said, let's bend the rule a little bit for these Jewish people, and they said, let's change it up. Let's say every people group under our empire must declare that Caesar is God. Then they put a footnote under the rule, and they said, except the Jewish people. Because of their loyalty to Yahweh, and they're stubborn. (laughs) And so the Jews were given the exemption. And when Christ was born, and thus Christianity was born with him, here's what happened if you studied it. They assumed that Christianity was just a part of Judaism. So they gave Christianity the same favor and the same exemption as they gave the Jews. And so up until the year 70 AD, those practicing Christianity had pretty much complete freedom to proclaim their message. And it was an ideal time for Christ's good news to be proclaimed. On top of that, it was the right time politically because it was a time of relative peace. They say when Julius Caesar was assassinated, a civil war broke out in the Roman Empire. But when that was over, Caesar Augustus ascended to the throne and there was a time of relative peace for around 200 years. That meant the the Roman army wasn't that busy. So they put all their manpower and all their money and all their time into developing roadways and kind of a postal system of sort. This is interesting. And it was through those means... And through those roads, that the good news of Jesus would travel rather quickly. Politically, it was the right time. But you study it, and even culturally, it was the right time. Now, I don't know if you're bored with history. But stay with me, because this is confirming that the word of God is right. Alexander the Great had conquered the world in which Jesus had come. And with Alexander's victory came the spread of Greek culture... And Greek language. Now this is important because Greek was the language in which the New Testament and the Gospels would eventually be written. And more people in Jesus' world had learned to read than ever before in history. And so through the vehicle of the Greek language, the Gospel spread much more quickly than it would have otherwise. And, and then it was confirmed that it was the right time socially. Now I don't think I'm really smart. I had to, I had to look up this stuff. But this is interesting to know. The Greek philosophers, like Socrates, you heard of him? Plato, Aristotle. They say they had done a wonderful job of raising questions about the meaning of life. And Plato called it this, eudaimonia. Eudaimonia meant the life that is flourishing. And their message, these Greek philosophers would have this message that you can have the good life and the abundant life and the flourishing life. But like most philosophers, they did a better job at raising questions than actually answering them. But one thing they did do was arouse the curiosity of a lost and dying world. I want that. How do I get that? Eudaimonia, I want the fulfilled and flourishing life. And that's where the good news of the gospel comes in. Someone said this, that the Greek philosophers plowed the fields of the human heart. And Christ and his followers then sowed the seeds of meaning. It was the right time socially. It was the right time culturally. It was the right time politically. So looking back, can't you see that it was perfect timing for a savior to be born. The fullness of time had come. But don't forget about the woman through whom it would come. Because she's still tucked away in a very obscure town, in a very scary situation in which she can't connect the dots politically. And she can't connect the dots culturally. And she can't connect the dots socially. And she can't understand the depths of who the Son of God will actually be. All she knows is that her life has been turned upside down by the visit of an angel. No, she didn't complain about it, she would praise God for it, she would surrender to God's will, and I do believe she was authentically joyed from the responsibility she was given. But you gotta know that in the moment of that announcement, she had to have been somewhat panicked. Don't you think, Pastor, a teenage girl being visited by an angel is scary enough? On top of that, saying you're impregnated, but you're a virgin. And so I, I know she was somewhat panicked because she began to question the angel. Well, what does this mean? How can this be, she said. And then she had to do what most women do when they see positive on a pregnancy test. She had to go talk to another woman about it. She went to her cousin Elizabeth. You won't believe what happened. And the baby leaped in her womb. You remember that? And then finally she wrote a song. And the song's beautiful in Luke chapter one. And finally it started to click. The fullness of time has come. And it's going to come through me. But what about in between? She had to have been startled by the timing of this all. And I would submit that probably everybody in here who's been through any amount of life has also been shocked. Jolted, thrown back, panicked, when something happened at a seemingly imperfect time in your life. You hear me? I can give some personal examples of that. I remember that that Jenny and I were 21-year-old lovebirds. Now we're 35-year-old. I'm 34. Love birds. She's 36, actually. She's two years older than me. And man, I loved ministry. I wasn't doing it all right, but I loved it. I'd go to that little Sunday school classroom and preach my guts out to those kids. And she would love her guts out on those girls. And I loved leading the choir. And it just, it was just like we were living... Life and during the middle of a church activity, I meet her at the back of our in the backyard of 211 West Walnut, and she's crying. And she says, "The doctors just said my dad has cancer, a rare form of pancreatic cancer." And it's like our lives were just jolted. Why then? Why now? He was in the prime of his ministry. Why? And then we had to watch for a year and a half as that disease took his life. 2015 we were enjoying the summer camp with our young people and that is the most important week of a youth pastor and youth pastor's wife year with their young people. I mean it is it is a week you want to maximize for spiritual growth and then my wife complains about the stomach flu and then three days later I get woken up in the middle of the night and. She literally crawls about a quarter mile to the nurse's station where I find her belly as hard as a rock and rush her down to the Castle Rock Hospital where they take x-rays and put a tube down into her belly and she's in the operation room pretty quickly with an obstructed bowel and later finds out she has Crohn's disease and stays in the hospital for 41 days and we don't get to capitalize on the momentum of of the spiritual growth of our young people at camp and don't get to be there all week, don't get to come back for testimony night. And we're thinking, hey, having Crohn's disease is bad enough, but why now? Beginning of this year, of course, after seven years of trying to have a baby, she gets positive on a pregnancy test and then finds out a couple weeks later it was a failed pregnancy. Two days after that, I find out my brothers died. I'm not wanting you to feel sorry for me. I'm just wanting you to know that I I know what it's like to feel like the timing is just so bad. Why? Why now? I don't want anything bad to happen to me, but, but often when it does, I'm thinking, why could this not happen later? Why now? Some of you... As I'm giving my story, you're kind of connecting the dots in your mind and going to a place in your story. Times in which things have happened, and you've said, God, why now? Why today? Why this year? Why did I lose my health now? Why did I lose my kids now? Why did I lose my marriage now? Why did I lose my job now? Why did I lose my parent now? Why did I lose my baby now? So then it brings up this question. What does the timing of Jesus' birth teach us? And how does it help us reconcile and deal with things that happen in our life at the wrong time? I can sum it up in a statement. Sometimes seemingly imperfect timing is perfect for accomplishing God's perfect purposes. I know you're feeling tension upon reading that because you're thinking, well, what are God's perfect purposes? Sometimes we'll never know. Sometimes we won't know because God won't let us know. Sometimes we won't know because we just won't live long enough to see it. But sometimes we will get a small glimpse. Sometimes God will give us just a a small crack in the window where we can see, oh, that might be a little bit of the reason why God did that then. then. I told you Jenny got put in the hospital that summer 2015 and and we got a little bit of a glimpse as to why God did that that week because that hospital had just expanded and the doctor told us that, that the hospital literally just got or he said they stole some of Denver's greatest surgeons and specialists and they're now in that hospital. And one of them is going to be performing her surgery. One of them is the infection specialist. I'm not sure what they call them, but the lady was fabulous, unbelievably great. Every doctor that we had was just top notch. I'm not sure we could have got that care in a small town. And then I was on my way back after coming here to get some clothes with, with my mom. And it was a Sunday afternoon and Jenny's mom called, and I knew Jenny was bad, but I, I didn't know it was quite this bad, and her mom was crying and, and said they just rushed Jenny into emergency surgery. I said, what's going on? And she said, her esophagus tore. And, and that little tube was filling up with blood and all that kind of stuff, and she said that, that here's what God has done, Tyler. God put a doctor, a special surgeon, on that floor, the only surgeon in all of that that region, that mountain there, that could have performed that surgery within 35 minutes, which is the time they had to perform and had to sew up that esophagus. And, And he was on the floor and walked by the room when the nurse noticed that her tube was filling up with blood. Now you tell me, is that a coincidence? God's always right is what I'm trying to say. God has purposes for why he does things, but listen, he also has a perfect purpose for when he does something. And you have to trust that. The psalmist says in Psalms 1830, as for God, his way is perfect. Would you say that verse out loud with me? As for God, his way is perfect. Declare it one more time. As for God, his way is perfect. Do you really believe that? Do you really trust that? Is your life really anchored to that character trait of God that He is nothing short of perfect? When something happens in your life and the timing seems so bad, go back to Psalms 1830. Anchor yourself to the truth that you serve a perfect God who always has a perfect purpose. Now I knew that hearing this message and seeing that phrase that sometimes seemingly imperfect timing can be perfect for accomplishing God's perfect purposes, it would be easy to wrap your mind around because you're God-fearing people. You know God's good. You know God's right. You know God's perfect. That's why you said amen to that verse. But for some of you, you can't wrap your heart around it. You can wrap your mind around it intellectually, but emotionally you don't agree with that. Your circumstances don't agree with that. Your situation in life doesn't agree with that. And if you're not careful, watch, if you trust your circumstance more than the character of God, you will be a bitter, 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 bitter person. And you'll be a confused person, and you'll be an angry person, and you'll be a person that actually repels people away from you. But if you can learn to anchor yourself not to your circumstances, but to the character of God, Both intellectually and emotionally, you will make it through things that happen at the worst possible time. And so to help you do that, I've just written down five simple things about God's timing that maybe you need to write down to help you anchor yourself in his character and truth. Number one, God created time and rules over it. Genesis 1 tells us that in the beginning God created what did he create he created all things including time yet he isn't bound to time and he rules over this time and there's not a better example than Joshua chapter 10 do you remember when when Israel fought the Amorites do you remember that And they were so powerful that Joshua looked up to the heavens in great faith and said, God, please make the sun stand still. Why, Joshua? So that we have enough daylight, not just to win the battle, but to win the entire war. We need enough sunlight to defeat the entire army. And God literally stopped time. He made the sun stand still for almost a full day, something he's never done before and he hasn't done since. Understand God is in charge of time. Anchor yourself to this truth. God chooses to work gradually over time. I'm not saying that God can't work right in the moment. I'm not saying God can't speak into existence whatever he wants to and provide on the spot instantaneously. He is a miraculously working God. But that's not how he tended to do things in Scripture. He does sometimes, the centurion went to Jesus and said, Jesus, I've got a friend back home, a servant, and he's sick. He's about to die, and Jesus said, let's go, let's go talk to him, let's go heal him. And the centurion had such faith that he said, no, Jesus, I know you can just speak the word from right here, and he'll be healed clear over there. And Jesus was amazed by his faith, and in that moment, he rewarded the centurion's faith, and Jesus instantaneously healed that man. He can do it. But he works more like he worked in Lazarus' life. Mary and Martha sent some people to tell them Lazarus is dying. They're out of breath. Jesus. Martha said, I I only got 20 minutes to get to you. And I got to get back. And her brother's dying. Okay, thanks for letting me know. Jesus, are you gonna go? Thanks for letting me know. And four days later, he shows up. Why in the world will he do such a thing? Well, he, he says it in the passage. He needed to work in the life and heart of his disciples. He needed to teach them something about himself. He also says that there are a number of Jews there. And they won't believe unless I make this miracle super miraculous. And sure enough, it was super miraculous. Lazarus' body had already started stinking. And Jesus said, come forth. And he came forth and many of them believed. Jesus has a perfect purpose for his timing. He works gradually over time. That's why he went up to a mountain to pray. And saw the disciples toiling and rowing in the middle of the sea. And he could have instantly from the top of that mountain said peace be still. Mother nature take it easy on my disciples. But he didn't. He took his time climbing down the mountain. He didn't fly. Climbed down the mountain. And then he decided to walk on water. He didn't have to walk on water. He could have just said it from the shore. But he wanted to walk on water. Why? So he'd get close enough to Peter where Peter would have the audacity to say bid me to come. And then he stopped far enough at the boat. He didn't stop the storm. He said, okay, come on, Peter, and Peter stepped out because he wanted to teach Peter a lesson on focus and faith, and after he'd done that, he walked Peter back in the boat, and then he said, be of good cheer to Zai. be not afraid, storm, stop, and God could have spoke the world into existence in one millisecond, but he took six days to do it. Because he proved that he works gradually over time. Don't think he can't speak a miracle into your situation in the snap of a finger. He is the all powerful God that still does that. But we know the way he trends in scripture is that he works gradually over time. So be patient. Anchor yourself to this truth there is no missing out in God's time. Catch this. There's no missing out. In God's time, I'll get back to God knows the end from the beginning. I just skipped that on accident. Have you ever scrolled through your newsfeed and felt like all the opportunities in life are passing you by? And you look on your on your life's calendar, and you're like, God, I'm a lot older than I thought I was going to be before I got married, or before I had kids, or before I had this spot in my job or this spot in my career, before I had financial stability here, or before I finally owned my house, or before I finally drove a drove a halfway decent car. All these things in life are passing me up. But listen, there's actually no missing out when you're in the center of God's will. There's no missing out in God's timing. Sarah and Abraham thought they'd missed out on a promised child, but God was just revealing himself to them in the wait. Joseph might have thought he had missed out when when the chief butler forgot about him in prison, but God was actually waiting for the perfect opportunity to catapult him into influence. And we've been preaching out of Philippians that Paul finally realized that, that his chains, his, his two-year house arrest was, was not keeping him from the mission field entirely. It was actually serving as a way to advance the gospel. No, get this. It advanced the gospel in, in ways he never dreamed would be possible because we're preaching from them very letters he wrote in prison. In 2018, we're preaching from them. But had he been able to just go from church to church in person, he would have never had to write the letters. But because he got put in prison, he had to write the letters, and now we know how we should behave as a church. You see, you're not missing out on anything in God's timing. Doesn't matter what Facebook says. Quit comparing yourself to other people's situations, you've got your own DNA. You've got your own purpose and your own plan. And if you stay in the middle of God's will, you will also stay in step with his timing. Let's go back to God knows the end from the beginning. You know when we hit a hard place? You know what we want to know when we hit a hard place? We want to know how it's going to end and when it's going to end. But we're not eternal. We can't transcend time. So you know where we're stuck in the middle of a hard place? We're stuck between the beginning and the end. (laughs) We're stuck right there in the middle. But God isn't. God doesn't just know what's happening to you like right now. He's actually known that from eternity past. Because he knows the beginning from the end, and that's confirmed in one of his names in the Bible. He's Alpha and Omega. Alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega, the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He is the beginning and the end. He transcends time. Anchor yourself to this last truth. God works everything for good in his timing. We love Romans 8, 28, don't we? For we know that all things work together for good. There's a qualifier to them that love God, called according to his purpose, but we tend to add three words to that promise. And it's this, for we know that all things work together for good in my lifetime. But God's eternal. He'll still be living whenever we have your funeral. And that means that you might not see the purpose of what you're going through now in your lifetime. We say we have perfect purposes. But that doesn't mean that we'll always see them fulfilled while we're on earth. And that's frustrating to us, but that's just how God works. I think of Hebrews chapter 11 and the great chapter that says it's the hall of faith. And it tells us of persecuted believers who died, never seeing the fulfillment of God's promised Redeemer. Yet they served Him anyway, and they were martyred for Him anyway, and they were stoned for Him anyway. You know why? Because they anchored themselves to His purpose, not just His timing. And they said, I'm going to live for Him no matter what. And even though they died having not received that promise, they trusted God anyway. Here's the point. You don't have to agree with God's timing to trust His purpose. God's not asking you to throw a party for when He does something. Because quite frankly, it's never going to feel like the right time. But God does ask you to anchor yourself to His perfect purposes. Do you believe His ways are perfect? Do you really believe that? Then that that means you believe That not only what he does is perfect, but when he does it is perfect. So if your clock, your clock says now, and God's clock says later, wait on him. And if your clock says later, later, hold on God, but his says right now, follow him. And if you're telling God today, and God is whispering to you, never trust him and thank him. Because he's saving something that wouldn't line up with his purpose. Saving you from something that wouldn't line up for his perfect purpose for your life. So thank him for that. I love Mary's response. She said, behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Pregnated as an unmarried Teen in a conservative society traveling 80 miles on a donkey being nine months pregnant and going into labor inside of a barn with the son of God that's bad timing but she still said yes she still trusted God and she just didn't say okay God no 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 she praised him she sung a song She knew she wouldn't even be able to go outside so as to be seen pregnant in the society in which she lived, that the next nine months she would be tucked away. She would have to answer many questions and be risked looking scandalous, and it wasn't her nature. But she praised God anyway because his purpose was much greater than her plan her timing I don't know what you're going through I don't know what you're arguing with God about and saying God why now but maybe tonight you need to come and surrender to God's timing maybe you need to praise him at an altar even though it feels so imperfect in the moment or maybe if life is going so good You need to grab someone you know. Grab someone you know is going to face a Christmas that is very difficult. Put your arm around them. Pray with them. Knowing that you've been where they are. Knowing you've asked God why now. And maybe you can speak some encouragement and life into them.